0: This is What's the Spread? Welcome. Week one, college football season. We're ready to go. As always, I'm your host, Dan Starr. Joining me tonight, Andy Starr. Andy, you, are you a, a, as excited as I am for the season?
1: I mean, we got week zero out of the way, which was great. Nice five-game, you know, taste. But yeah, I'm ready to take a big old bite of college football this week. Let's go. I can barely talk. I'm so excited. So uh, this year is going to be fun.
0: Um, We got a few new things for our listeners. We're teaming up with some people on the outside, some other podcasts. One of them that we're teaming up with are our friends over at Full Tilt Dynasty. Um, You can follow at FF on Twitter. And he breaks it down week by week, um, all the fantasy uh, knowledge that you need going into your matchups. He's going to give you that little bit of info that takes your team to the next level. Give his podcast a a listen. That's Full Tilt Dynasty. And uh, they're teaming up with Thrive Fantasy Sports. Uh, That's Thrive Fantasy Sports. And if you uh, log in today with the uh, um, code Full Tilt, they'll give you $100 in free money um, towards their site if you spend $100. So good deals there. Um, So we're kicking off week one, Andy, we got 10 matchups in the big 10 to go through. It's going to be a busy night for us here. Um, So let's just, let's just get rolling. Let's get into this quick here. So first matchup, we got a Thursday night game. We actually had two Thursday night games, but we got Temple at Rutgers. Rutgers is a home favorite. They're uh, favored by 14 and a half points, um, Again, you know, they got a lot of uh, talent returning on both sides of the ball. We talked about it last week on the podcast. Um, I really like their quarterback-wide receiver combo with Vidral and Melton. Do you think that they will cover 14 and a half? That is a huge spread for Rutgers.
1: Yeah, um, Yeah, I don't know if we'd call it talent returning, but it is certainly people returning for Rutgers. Uh, they did finish 105th in total offense, 104th in total defense. So hopefully they can improve on those numbers. Um, luckily, they are playing Temple this week. I think Temple might be teams in the country this year. Uh, they lose their quarterback, Anthony Russo, who may or may not be starting for Michigan State this week, probably will be. Uh, they also had a bad offense last year, 100th, ranked 100th in the country at around 350 yards per game. They do bring in a new quarterback in Dewan Mathis, uh, former Georgia recruit. Not a very highly rated recruit, but you know he was from Georgia, so um, obviously they had their QB struggles last year. So it's not like he's you know gonna light the program on fire or anything. Um, really, the best playmaker they have on offense is their wide receiver Jaden Blue. But honestly, Rutgers' pasty might be their best feature. Uh, we mentioned Avery Young in the uh, preseason preview. Uh, he's like sort of a do-everything safety. He's going to be making plays all over the field. Um, and Ru- Rutgers, you know, for their offense, as bad as it was, it was consistent. And they were able to score more than 20 points per game in uh, pretty consistently last year. The only time they were below 20 was against Penn State. Uh, and that was when Penn State really started to step up after that horrid start where they only scored seven points against them. Temple, on the other hand, scored 13 or fewer points in three out of seven games, and they've lost four out of those seven games by uh, at least 14 points, including a 13-point stinker. They lost like 38-13 to versus UCF. UCF had a horrible defense last year, ranked 123rd in the country. So this Temple team is not good. Um, I know we mentioned earlier one of the things that Rutgers did well uh, is forced turnovers. And this is a Temple team that lost 14 turnovers in the the seven games they played last year. So I do think, you know, Rutgers being at home, this could be an easy win for them. Nice way to get the season rolling. So I'm projecting them to win and cover that 14 and a half. You be careful trashing those uh, UCF Knights. Hey, they're
0: going to get the UCF Twitter mafia after you, man. I don't want that. I don't. I do not want that. Then you better be careful what you say here. So uh so you're going Rutgers 14 and a half. Yes sir. Okay. All right. So I agree with you. I think that's a lot for Rutgers. Rutgers football should never be favored by 14 and a half, but Temple like you said is bad. So what I look at last year is with quarterback Rousseau with them they averaged 32 points per game without you mentioned they had like three games where they, they were just terrible. They only averaged ten and a half points in those games. So the offense is going to struggle mightily without him. Um, and then you look at Rutgers. They, they uh, in their last two non-conference home openers, have beaten Texas State 35-7 to and UMass 48-21. So when they're playing terrible teams and they're playing Temple, they blow teams out. So I, uh, I look for Rutgers here to uh, come out um, explosive with Melton. The draw, like I said, um, their offense averaged 27 points per game last year. I think that they get a little bit more than that this week. Um, I'm looking around like a 30 to 13 uh, game, somewhere around there. So I think they, they
1: squeeze out the cover here um, Thursday night under the lights. I'm not joking. I literally have 30 to 14 as my projected score here, too. So I think we're exactly on the same page.
0: Wow. All right. So good stuff there. Um, so and then Temple two last year, you mentioned a few of their losses, but they had they actually had four losses by 15 or more. So they, they do lose by double digits often. Right. All right. So next we have up another Thursday matchup. Big, big game here. So, Ohio State going on the road. Uh, first Big Ten game of the season. They're going to Minnesota. They're coming into the game as 14, two touchdown um, uh, favorites. Do you think with QB Stroud getting the uh, nod as their starter, um, do you think he can lead all those explosive offensive starters at return? Wide receiver Olave, Teague. They got the freshman Henderson at running back. Um, do you think he fits in and keeps that offense clicking?
1: Yeah, uh, Minnesota, you know, for how mediocre they were last year, they did have a good pass defense. I think a lot of that stems from the teams that they were playing, but they did have a 36 ranks pass defense. So they are going to, hope you know, try to test C.J. Stroud early. I just don't know how effective that will be. Um Ohio State, on the other hand, they're coming in with a sixth-ranked rush defense from last year, and obviously, you know, when we're talking about Minnesota, we're talking about Mo Ibrahim running the ball, and he's going to have a tough time doing it against this Ohio State team, so they're going to make Tanner Morgan try and win it, or at least play it through the air. Um, Their number one guy, Chris Ottman-Bell, he's, you know, working on a right ankle injury or right leg injury a couple weeks ago. They say there's a legitimate chance he's going to play, but Is he going to be 100%? I don't know, probably not. So this this offense is already hobbled, and you're going up against, you know, probably the best offensive team in the Big Ten, Uh, definitely the best wide receivers. You mentioned those those running backs. They've got Teague and uh, Henderson. I think Mayan Williams is going to be another guy that's going to be mixed in quite a bit. Uh, A stat that stuck out to me, so, you know, Ryan Day, I think of him as an extension of Urban Meyer. So since Urban Meyer took over in 2012, Ohio State has never won their first game by less than 18 points. And that 18-point victory came in 2015 on the road against Virginia Tech. Since then, they've scored more than 50 points in three of their openers, more than 70 points, I think, in two of them. So you mentioned these guys on offense. So you got Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. They're going to jump out on this Minnesota team. They're going to score early, and they're going to score a lot. And they've got the depth at RB to just keep this game from ever getting close. And I think they're going to win by a lot. I think they're going to score in the 40, 50-point range. Minnesota will be lucky to get to 20. I'm taking Ohio State minus 14, and that is my lead pipe lock this week.
0: Let's go. And this year, again, we talked about we're partnering up with different uh, people outside of the podcast this year we we have a sponsor for the lead pipe lock so we'd like to give a shout out to Lakeside family Dental in Altamont Springs Florida so this is the lakeside family dental lead pipe lock of the week Andy's going Ohio State Buckeyes negative 14 lock it in I like it so what I look uh, look at here Andy there's a there's a couple of stats where I agree with you it's not my lead pipe lock. But I agree that Ohio State's going to cover. And what I look at is the run game. So Ohio State offensively was eighth rushing last year. They returned all their backs. They returned most of their, their line. Um, and they were eighth in the country last year in rushing at 256 yards per game. Minnesota's defense ranked 102 versus the run. So, you know, Teague, Henderson, you know, even Stroud, I think he's going to run the ball a little bit. I think all three of those guys have big games on the ground. Um, and then secondly, how, how did Ohio State struggle last year? So they had three games that were within 14 points. They lost to Bama, of course. Their uh, close win against Penn State. And then their close win against Indiana. So in those three games, I looked at, hey, what, what what did those teams do so well? They could pass the ball. So Bama's third overall passing and all the land, Penn State 40th, Indiana 43rd. Minnesota passing with with, uh, Tanner Morgan, 92nd. So I think, you know, they don't have enough offensive firepower to keep up with this explosive Ohio State offense. I agree with you. I think Ohio State's going to score at least 40, if not 50, and Minnesota just will not be able to keep pace. So um, lock it in, Uh, uh, Ohio State, Buckeyes, negative 14 covering the spread I'd oh, oh. love to see it <laughs> you'd love to see it yeah so those so those are the two Thursday games those are gonna be fun tomorrow night and then we got a Friday night game as well so we got Michigan State at Northwestern so we talked about earlier two weeks ago how Michigan State um, just plucked the transfer portal clean um, getting I think 14 different transfers. And then Northwestern, who had a great season last year, made it to the Big Ten championship game. But they virtually returned no one on defense. And then uh, they are losing Cam Porter, running back, out for the season. They have a new quarterback starting. So is Northwestern, who is favored by three at home, can they beat Michigan State, Andy?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you... You said it. This is just going to be the weirdest matchup of the whole slate. Like, there's nothing to really go on here because these are just different teams. Uh, Yeah, Northwestern loses all its production on both sides of the ball. MSU brings in those 14 transfers. Uh, So, you know, we just look at the roster and see what we got here. Mel Tucker isn't really saying who the quarterback's going to be. Like we mentioned earlier, it's probably going to be Anthony Russo. And that's kind of the only, you know, mainstay that we have from a season ago is that passing game, the receivers and Naylor and Reed. Uh, so I think Russo is an improvement on uh, on Peyton Thorne and Lombardi, Rocky Lombardi. So I think they'll improve that 54th ranked passing attack from 2020. Um, but then, like, you know, with Northwestern, they did release their depth chart. So we know Hunter Johnson from Clemson is going to be starting there. Now we know Evan Hall, uh, redshirt sophomore is going to be starting at running back. He did get some play last year. Nothing too crazy. It wasn't Andrew Claire, the Bowling Green transfer, like we had thought or Anthony Tyus. Uh, another guy to look out for is a transfer from Kansas, Stephen Robinson. Uh, he was hurt last year, but did have 45 catches in 2019. He's going to be playing on special teams too. So this is just a weird one for me. I don't really know how it's going to go. Uh, so in this instance, I'm just going to lean the home team's going to win. You know, you get a, a field goal. I think they can probably cover it. So I'm just going to take Northwestern minus three, but I'm certainly not going to be betting it.
0: Okay. So we're in a disagreement here. First one of the night. So I look at a few things here that stand out to me. First, it's Northwestern, the injuries with Porter out, they don't return all their key players on offense. They don't return Anyone on defense, other than their safety, Brandon Joseph. Um, He had six interceptions last year. I really like that guy. But other than that, they don't really return any experience or any talent on both sides of the ball. Um, And then you look at Michigan State. So D'Antonio left them basically a month or two before spring football started. Mel Tucker came in, got a late start. COVID hit. um, No practice time and then the season started and you just kind of saw flashes of maybe what this team could be the 27-24 win against Michigan the 29-20 win last year against Northwestern um, so i think this this team has the potential they just have to they have to get the practice time they have to gain that experience and will they be there ready on day 1 uh, on friday night it'll we'll see um, so we talked about who is their quarterback going to be. I think it has to be Russo has to be 6'4, 240. We talked about what he did at temple and how much better he made temple uh, when he was there. And then also I look at their running back, Kenneth Walker, the third, um, a Wake Forest transfer. So I think this offense is going to be much different than what we saw in 2020. And even, you know, 2019, I think this, this offense is going to be much improved. I think their defense is is still pretty talented. Um the Northwestern offensively, I just don't see them scoring enough points on Friday night. So what it comes down to me is this game is going to be close. I think whoever wins probably wins it by three, four points. So uh, to me, I'm taking Michigan State here because I think now with the practice time, the coaching experience of Mel Tucker, I think he gets this team turned around. I think he turns it around rather quickly. So give me Michigan State and the points on the road. Interesting.
1: Yeah, this is just a weird one for me. Uh, I could certainly see it going that way, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm not betting it. But whatever floats your boat, I guess. Right. And another thing, the defense
0: absolutely carried Northwestern last year. Um, offensively, they had the 93rd total offense, um, and they and their their scoring offense was only 24.7 points per game. So. I don't think their offense is going to be great this year, and I think it'll take them a little bit to get going. So it's going to be low scoring, both teams here. Take the under, but Michigan State is going to cover. All right, so moving on, we got Saturday games. So we got quite a few games on Saturday. Um, we'll start off with the noon game. Penn State, number 19 in all the land, going to Madison, taking on Wisconsin number 12 in the ranking so we get a a top 25 matchup here week one wisconsin is a six point favorite at home that seems a little hefty going against penn state do you think they can cover the touchdown spread here
1: oof it seems like a lot for wisconsin um my computer just froze (laughs) Well, that's good. I'll start here.
0: So basically when looking at this matchup, there's a few things that stick out to me. One is uh, coach Franklin, his record against ranked big 10 teams on the road. So since he's been at Penn state, when facing the ranked big 10 opponents on the road, one in 11, one in 11 on the road. So that was a surprising stat to me. Um, they do have the, the one win is against Iowa. is a five-point victory um, a few years back. But, you know, they're going to have their struggles. So the, we talked about Penn State, how they struggled early on last year. They had the close loss against Indiana. Then the wheels kind of fell off. But then they ended the season on a four-game win streak. Badgers, they returned eight starters on defense. They have the fifth um, total defense, ninth scoring defense, They're fifth against the run. I think they're going to shut down just about everybody this year, um, including Penn State. I think it's going to be a a very low-scoring game. Um, But the thing that sticks out to me is can the Badgers' offense do enough to not only win this game but to cover the six points? So last year, the Badgers' offense, other than a few early games against Illinois, Michigan, um, they overall ranked 103rd in total offense an 88th in scoring offense. They got um, blown out by Iowa. They got beat in a in a uh, dog fight against Indiana, 14 to six, where Indiana was starting a backup quarterback. So, you know, can this offense do enough to cover the six points? I don't think they can. I think Penn State is a much better team than what we saw last year. I think uh, they come in hungry from. Um, how they finished last year with the momentum that they had. And I think they cover the six points and I think they potentially could win this game um, as much as I'd hate to see it, but I got Penn state plus six here.
1: Yeah. As I'm rebooting my system here, but uh, yeah, I think Wisconsin's just doesn't really have an identity on offense. They didn't really move the ball well on the ground last year, like they normally do. Uh, We get, we got the depth chart earlier this week. So Chez Malusi appears to be the starter. Um, you know, obviously Jalen Berger is probably going to get some playing time too. I know he was uh, kind of hurt and beat up this uh, off season, um, but it's just going to be, what is the identity of this team? Is Graham Mertz going to be throwing it or are they going to be, you know, grounded pound like Wisconsin has been in the past. And, uh, you know Penn State's getting some people back on offense. They get Noah Kane, who has missed the entire year last year with a ACL. I want to say, so you know their running game was trash last year with the guys they had. And you know we mentioned earlier that Sean Clifford probably can't be worse than what he was last year. And they got Parker Washington and Jahan Dotson, some good pieces there on on uh for their wide receivers. So I tend to agree that this will be a close game. I think that Wisconsin does win it, but it's probably going to only be by a field goal or four points. So I'm going to go ahead and take Penn state plus six as well. Like it. Like it. Okay.
0: So we're both in agreement there. So moving on, we got another uh, noon game. I believe it's Western Michigan. Michigan. And the Broncos are going to Ann Arbor, taking on Michigan. Uh, Michigan's got, you know, a lot of a revamped offense. Um, so we'll kind of see what they can do. But they're coming in that game as a 17-point favorite um, against the Mack School of Western Michigan.
1: Does Western
0: Michigan have enough offense to uh, keep this game close?
1: Uh, yeah, I think so. And I don't know that Michigan is going to be able to – you know, outpace them and just sort of run away with it, like these odds makers seem to think that they will with the 17 point spread. Caleb Ellaby is was like the third most efficient quarterback in the in NCAA last year, and that was behind like Mac Jones and Zach Wilson or something. So they're gonna air it out with Sky Moore and uh, their other wide receiver there, Reed. And uh, Michigan, they just. Announced, Cade McNamara is going to be their starter. Uh, their running backs are likely going to be rotating Hassan Haskins and Blake Corum. Uh, so this is a this is going to be a tough matchup for Michigan. They lost a lot of production on uh, their the defensive side of the ball with Quitty Pay going. So they're going to struggle to keep this Western passing attack from scoring. So I think Westerns could easily score four touchdowns in this game and that's going to make it really difficult for this young kind of you know they don't like Ronnie Bell at wide receiver but aside from that it's just kind of a new team for coach Harbaugh so I'm thinking that it gets a little dicey for the Wolverines in this one and Western Michigan keeps it close doesn't win it but I think they're going to uh, cover that 17 point spread so I'll take Western plus 17.
0: I like it. I like it. So, a, a few things jump out. Again, it's their offense, their offensive attack. So, like you said, their scoring offense. They scored about forty-two points per game last year, which was ninth nationally. They returned eight offensive starters, including quarterback Ellaby. Um, they also returned their running back, Ladarius Jefferson. Um, in just six games, he had six hundred twenty-four yards, five touchdowns. You talked about Ellaby and his efficiency. 18 touchdowns, only two interceptions in the six games that they played. Um, but their defense, their defense isn't very good. 94th in the nation uh, in scoring. They give up about 34 points per game. But then I look at Michigan and their offense and what can they do. So, you know, they, they, you said Cade McNamara is the starter. You know, he's got a, he's got a few weapons there on offense, but um, they lose Charbonnet Um So, you know, what what can they do offensively to outpace Western Michigan? So, like you said, I think Michigan needs about 50 points to cover this spread. Um, And I just don't think they, at this moment, have the offensive firepower to score that much. Um, So, I agree with you here. I'm going Western Michigan and the points. And another thing here, too, is Western Michigan – has a, has a lot of guys, um, in-state players who, you know, grew up wanting to go to Michigan, didn't get recruited there, didn't have the chance. So this is their chance now to show, hey, you could have had me. Um, so I think that they, you know, keep this game close in the first half. I think Michigan wins it going away at the end, but I think they do enough to keep this, you know, maybe within about two touchdowns, somewhere, somewhere in that range.
1: Kalamazoo, stand up.
0: All right, so moving on, we get Nebraska, who is 0-1 on the year. um, With their loss last week, we both uh, accurately predicted that one. They did not cover the seven points against Illinois. But this week, they're coming in as a huge favorite. Um, They get Fordham, an FCS school at home. um, And Nebraska is favored by a whopping 42.5 points. Uh, did you do your research on the Fordham
1: Rams, Andy? Did, can they cover forty-two and a half? I know more about the Fordham Rams than I ever cared to ever know about anything, really. But I did uh, jump into the Patriot League and find some things out. First, I want to say that I know that Adrian Martinez is trash. He might be the worst quarterback in college football right now. Uh, he's one of he he, up... those guys, though. He's one of those guys, he's
0: like... He's got moments where you're like, ooh, he's really good. And then when you just look at the stat line, you're like, no, he's not good. But why does he continue to play really well once in a while? Right. Like yeah, like
1: the game last week, he ripped off that 75-yard touchdown. You're like, oh, that was a good play, but no. Um, and, yeah, the Nebraska defense was not anything to, you know, be happy about either. They Illinois was out without Chase Brown, who got hurt, I think, early on in, like, pass protection. And then Brandon Peters got hurt, too. Then they proceeded to let Archer Sitkowski go for 12 for 15, 125 yards to the air, and a tandem of Mike Epstein and Reggie Love combined for 120 yards and a touchdown. So I don't think Nebraska's defenses could shut down any team that's playing Division 1 football, um, and they're playing a pretty good team. Fordham's not, you know, they're not going to win the FCS or anything, but Uh, The last time they did play an FBS team was a 28-point loss to Ball State. Uh, They played three games last year, finished two and one. They averaged over 30 points per game in those those games. And that was mostly thanks to their senior quarterback, Tim DeMorat, finished as the Patriot League Player of the Year last year, threw for 1,049 yards in those three games, and led the FCS in completion percentage. So this guy's not a slouch, and he's a finalist for, like, the Walter Payton Award, which is, like, the FCS Heisman. Um, I think Nebraska, Gabe Irvin probably improves against, a, a you know, less of a competition with Fordham. Adrian Peterson, or Adrian, I'm sorry, Martinez is probably still going to run wild and, you know, account for 350 yards of offense. He'll probably still have two turnovers, too. I think Samari Touré will have a decent game. I think Nebraska still wins easy the last time interestingly enough that they did play an fcs opponent was in 2019 against south alabama they only won that game by 14 so i think nebraska will be lucky to score 42 points in this game much less cover 42 and a half point spread so give me fordham get with all those points
0: rams ram nation okay so you mentioned damarat i hope i'm pronouncing his name right um so, yeah, I think their passing attack is top-notch. I think um, they're going to give Nebraska fits. Um, Nebraska does have their stud cornerback, Cam Taylor Britt. The guy's kind of a hothead. He's, uh, I feel like he just makes weird mistakes, kind of like last week. He was fielding punts on the one-yard line and, and walking into the end zone for his safety. So, I mean, he, he does some weird things. He's been ejected twice last season for targeting. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he can compose himself against this, this uh, Rams passing attack. Um, but I, uh, the big thing that stands out for me is just how big of a spread this is. So 42.5 points. Since Scott Frost has come to Lincoln, Nebraska has only once won a game by 43 or, or more points um, in, in the four and a half, five years that he's been there, or three and a half, rather. And then um, since 2018... Um, Nebraska has only scored over 43 points in a game five times, and three of those were in, in 2018. So since 20, 2018, they've only done it twice. Um, I And last week, Nebraska only put up 22 points against the 97th scoring defense in Illinois. So I just don't think they have the offensive firepower to score 43 points, let alone, you know, In the 50s. So, I think if Fordham scores seven, even ten points, um, I think they get this cover easy. So, I agree with you. I'm going Fordham, 42
1: and a half. Spread is just too much. Yeah, I don't think Nebraska is going to come anywhere close to covering that. So, same page. All right. Now, we got another
0: uh, Big Ten conference matchup. Indiana Hoosiers had a, had a great season last year. Um, if not for the injury to Pennix, um, they might have ended the year even hotter. Um, but they, they lost their bowl game to Ole Miss. Um, and then you got Iowa also ended the season hot. They uh, rattled off, um, ended the year with a, a hot winning streak, COVID issue, so they didn't play a bowl game. But we got Indiana going to Iowa. Iowa comes in as a three and a half point favorite. Do they have enough to cover against this potent offense from
1: Indiana? Uh, I think, well, Iowa, like you said, once they got those two losses out of the way, they really just stepped up their offensive production uh, and scored at least 35 points in four of those last six games they won. Uh, they do lose Amir Smith marset but they do return the, a lot of core pieces of that offense and Petrus. Goodson and Sam Laporta at tight end. And like you said, Indiana's coming off a strong 2020 campaign too. But, you know, they have that injury to Penix. Now they lose Stevie Scott. They lose Wap Fillier. Uh, you know, what's Penix's situation like? Wow, is he at 100%? Is that knee ready to go? Uh, I guess we'll find out. But, um, and Indiana, I think, you know, obviously Iowa has probably one of the better if not the best defenses in, in the big 10, but Indiana also had a sneaky, good defense. Uh, they only gave up more than 26 points twice and that was to Penn state and Ohio state. And then they did give up 26 points in that bowl game to Ole Miss, but that was against Matt Corral in the 14th ranked scoring offense of the Ole Miss rebels. So this defense can, you know, give you some fits. Um, Like I mentioned, they lose Stevie Scott. The hope is that the USC transfer Stephen Carr can be a suitable replacement. But for me, it's just, you know, Penix is back from the ACL. What's his status like? Uh, They've got all these new parts on offense. They need a new wide receiver one. They need a new uh, running back. They do get Fry Fogle back, so that's good. But I just feel like Indiana is going to be clicking. They're ready to roll again after missing their bowl game. They're playing at home. I think they're going to win by around the touchdown. So give me uh, Iowa minus three and a half. All right. We've been uh, pretty close. I think with all the matchups, I think we've
0: um, gone our different ways just once so far tonight, but I'm uh, I'm disagreeing with you here. So a few things stand out to me. So Iowa, like you said, they lose a couple of playmakers on offense with Smith, Marsette and uh, other uh, wide receiver, Brandon Smith. Um, They do return seven defensive starters led by their safety, Jack Kerner. Um, But I look at Indiana. So, yes, you said they lose Stevie Scott. They lose Watt Fillier. um, But they still return uh, Fry Fogle, Miles Marshall, um, and basically their entire offensive line. So I I think that their um, new running back, regardless of who starts, is going to fill in well, just like, Um, Stevie Scott was able to do last year and what stands out to me is like you said Indiana's defense so they returned nine defensive starters on a team last year that had 17 interceptions they had 17 interceptions in just one two three four five six seven eight games so this team uh, has a lot of ball hawks on it and then I look at Petrus. so in just the few games he had last year he threw for five interceptions to just nine touchdowns I think he throws a touchdown or two on Saturday. Um, And I think Indiana, you know, they have their struggles when they play some top defenses, like when they played Wisconsin um, last year. But that was, again, with their backup quarterback. So I think they're going to do enough to keep this game close. I think it's in the single, uh, 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 less than three, one, two, three, somewhere in there. Field goal might win it late. Um, and I I, I don't know who's going to win. I think it's going to come down to that last possession, Um, but I think Indiana does enough on the road to either keep this game close, if not get the outright win. Um, And then another thing that jumps out to me is Indiana, when they did struggle last year, it was against top offensive teams, so they struggled against Ohio State. They gave up um, a ton of points in that one, they gave up 42 points to the number seven total offense in Ohio state Buckeyes. They struggled against Penn state. They ended up winning that game close. but Penn state had the 37th overall offense. And then late in the season in the bowl game, the outback bowl, they lost to Ole miss Ole miss third overall total offense. So all three of those teams were able to put up yards um, on Indiana, Iowa, on the other hand, offensively 87th ranked. So I think, Indiana's defense will be able to hold Iowa in check. They'll hold Petrus in check. They're going to get some turnovers, and they're going to keep this game close.
1: Yeah, it could definitely. It's going to be close. Usually, when you see that three and a half, I I tend to agree with you. You know, you want to get if it's going to be a field goal game, just take the points. But I just feel like Iowa at home is going to get this uh, momentum rolling from last year.
0: Okay. All right.
1: Next matchup. We got your your Terps. We
0: got Maryland. They got a home matchup, um, non-conference game against Big Twelve West Virginia. West Virginia is actually coming into the game as a three-point favorite. Uh, is is uh, um, Tongo Bailoa and company gonna get the outright win here, Andy?
1: Man, this one hurts me to to do, but. Maryland really just couldn't have pulled a worse matchup. Like literally, I mean, this is the worst team they they probably could have faced non conference outside of like the you know blue chip, Oklahomas and, Clemson's of the world. Um, So in ten games, West Virginia last year, averaged only 159 yards per game given up, uh, passing, which was good for the best pass defense in the country. And just about everyone returns from that defense, so. Talia and Rakeem Jarrett and company, they had a great offense the last year, too, ranked 35th in the pass. Um, But also, you know, the rush defense of uh, West Virginia, ranking 55th in the country, may be a hindrance for them as well. I just think that, uh, you know, when you look at the West Virginia offense, they've got their starting running back, Letty Brown coming back, who had at least 100 yards or one touchdown in eight out of 10 games. And Winston Wright, their wide receiver, one, and Jared Doge are competent enough in the pass game. Uh, So it's just going to come down to me for uh, can Maryland protect the ball? They finished 124th in turnover margin with 11 giveaways to only four takeaways. So they weren't really forcing any turnovers either. Uh, So I think they're going to need to score a lot. And against this West Virginia defense, I just don't think they can do it. West Virginia's also got a big disruptor on the line named Dante Stills who had nine and a half tackles for loss and two sacks and two passes defense last year, just like a JJ Watt like character down there. So I think West Virginia goes into Maryland and I think they beat them. Uh, I think it could be close, but I I'm not going to say that it's going to be close enough for Maryland to cover that. So it could be West Virginia minus three. Yeah. So I look at
0: a few things here. One, I don't think Maryland's good. So they were two and three last year. They needed overtime to beat Rutgers. They needed overtime to beat Minnesota. They got absolutely housed by Northwestern. They got housed by Indiana. And then they beat Penn State when Penn State was just on the four-game bender. So I don't think they're very good. I know you like them. West Virginia, on the other hand, I think is is a very good football team. They return a lot of experience and a lot of good talent on offense. You talked about their quarterback dodge. 14 touchdowns to four interceptions last year. Um, They got Winston Wright at wide receiver. You talked about Letty Brown. He's a thousand yard rusher with the nine TDs. Um, So, you know, I look at this team and defensively, like you said, they returned just about everyone on a number one overall pass defense. Their secondary is almost nearly intact um, with their safeties. Malone Mahone a day um, and quarterback fortune. So, you know, this team is going to be really good. They uh, finished plus two in turnover margin last year to Maryland's negative seven. Um, you know, West Virginia is going to come into this game and and keep it close. They're going to probably win it outright. Um, but what stands out to me is last year, the only thing that scares me, it's one stat that scares me, they were 0-4 on the road last year was West Virginia. So can they get over that hump? Can they find a win um, on the road? I think they do it, and I think they do it this Saturday, and I think
1: they cover the three points. Yeah, I think that's this is the time to get off the snide for them because this is literally just the best matchup they could have hoped for. Right, I think I think their offense is is pretty darn good, um, and I think their
0: defense is just going to shut down Maryland. So I don't, I, I honestly, this is this was close to my lead pipe lock of the week. Um, It's not there, but I'm very confident West Virginia wins this game, and they win by more than three. All right. We got a couple matchups left in the Big Ten, and then we'll move on to our bonus picks. So first up, uh, Big Ten, we still got another game. We get another non-conference matchup, Pac-12 coming to Purdue. We got Oregon State, uh, the Beavers taking on the Boilermakers, Boilermakers at home, seven-point favorites. That seems a little steep, Andy. What do you think?
1: Yeah, uh, well, you think Purdue and you think passing offense, obviously. So they got Plummer, who's going to be starting this year. They get David Bell, and they got Milton Wright. So they're still going to be throwing the ball around. You you look at Oregon State's pass defense from a year ago. Not bad ranked in the fifties nationally, but, uh, you know, they're going to have to come to Purdue and try and slow these guys down. I just don't know if they're going to be able to do that. Then you think about what Oregon state did good last year. Well, they, uh, they ran the ball well with Jermar Jefferson. Uh, he's now in the NFL and there's just not much left on this team to really write home about, uh, their quarterback from a year ago, he threw for seven interceptions, so only six touchdowns, uh, Sam Neuer. Uh, I think, you know, he's going to struggle this year. Now they're running back without Jermar Jefferson. His name is B.J. Baylor. He only had 27 carries last year, so really just not a lot of production. They're not going to want to pass the ball with this quarterback. Mm-hmm. I just feel like this is a good game. Purdue to, you know, set the stage for the rest of their season. I think they can win it at home in front of their fans. uh, And I think they can win it by 10, maybe even a couple touchdowns. So I'm going to take them minus seven. Okay. All right.
0: We're in disagreement again. So Oregon State and Purdue both return a lot of experienced guys. Oregon State's got eight on offense, seven defense to produce seven on offense, seven on defense. QB, um... Plummer is going to get the start for the Boilermakers. He returns a, you know, a few guys on offense to kind of help him out with uh, Xander Horvath. Um, so I think Purdue's offense is going to do pretty well um, against this Oregon State defense. Um, but what it comes down to me is Purdue can just never seem to shake those teams away, no matter who they're playing. Last year, out of their six games, five of the six games, Win or lose were seven point or less games. Oregon State played seven games. Five of the seven, seven points or less. This game is going to be close. You talked about um, Colorado transfer Sam Neuer. He was second team all conference last year. Um, He did throw seven INTs, but I think he comes in. I I think he earned that job um, with Oregon State. Um, during, the, during the spring and summer here. And, you know, I look at can this Oregon State team shut down the pass because we know Purdue wants to pass. And like you said, they weren't great last year, but they weren't terrible last year either. They were 55th um, overall against the pass. They gave up 224 yards um, through the air, but they return a, a, a couple of key pieces in their secondary. Um, Nickelback Jaden Grant and then also their strong safety, Akili Arnold. And then what really stands out to me, though, is their linebacking core. So they return everyone. Um, And so when I look at, you know, Purdue lately, they don't really throw the ball downfield as much as they used to in years past, but they do pass a lot, but it's more of that dink and dunk and then get it to your playmakers, your Rondell Moores of the world. Um, So, you know, do they have enough to get through this middle linebacker or this linebacking core? I don't think they do. I think Oregon state, you know, had some flashes last year. They beat Oregon. Um, They had a key win against California and then they just had a lot of close losses, a lot where, you know, if they get those wins, we're talking about a totally different Oregon state team. So I think Oregon state comes into Purdue. They give them fits. Oregon state always seems to play big 10 teams, tough, a few years back, they uh, beat Wisconsin in Madison um, back when Gary Anderson was the coach. So, you know, I think this Beaver team is is better than what their record from last year shows. And seven points for Purdue is just too many. Um, Purdue might win this game, but they're not winning by seven. Oregon State is my lead pipe lock of the week. So Lakeside Family Dental, lead pipe lock beavers book it oh man
1: i know you didn't see that coming did you no i felt pretty good about purdue you broke my heart with that oregon state wisconsin game too that was the one where they like had the kneel and then couldn't get the field goal off
0: yeah and then they they recovered the onside kick but then they reviewed it and said they didn't uh
1: that was that was that was a horrible game and we had like national championship aspirations that season Yes, that, yeah, that was a heartbreaker. Week one, I think. Yeah, it was
0: bad. All right, so now we got the last game of the Big Ten week. University of Texas San Antonio, the Roadrunners um, from Conference USA, are going to Champaign, Illinois. Illinois is coming off their, uh, their victory last week against Nebraska to kick off uh, the Brett Bielema era um, uh, for the Fighting Illini. But University of Texas, San Antonio, they uh, return a lot of experience, 10 on offense, 11 on defense. I'm sure you're going to talk about your boy running back, Sincere McCormick. Do they have enough to not only maybe keep this game close, but possibly win it outright now that uh, QB Brandon Peters is
1: likely out for a few games? Uh, I think they do, and uh, I'm glad you mentioned Cynthia McCormick, and I will talk about him. But yeah, let's start off with Illinois. They did look strong last week under Bielema. I think that rush defense was vastly improved from a year ago, if not for that 75-yard run from Martinez. They really, Nebraska couldn't get anything going on the ground. But again, I think they took advantage of the sloppy play from Martinez. They were able to get a couple turnovers from him. And they did have to deal with Gabe Irvin, who's a true freshman. I think he'll be better later on in, in the season. But, you know, this this game, he wasn't very sharp. So uh, I think they got, you know, a, a team in Nebraska that just wasn't at the top of their game, wasn't playing very well. And this Texas-San Antonio team is not going to be sloppy. They returned 10 starters on offense, including Sincere McCormick, including... Uh, quarterback Frank Harris and wide receiver Zachary Franklin, uh, and they return every starter on defense. And their defense was no slouch last year. They finished forty seventh in total defense at, giving up around at three hundred eighty three yards per game. They're led led by their safety Rashad Wisdom, finished with ninety five tackles and four interceptions a year ago. So that guy's a playmaker. Um, and like we mentioned before with Nebraska, they had those turnovers last year. Texas San Antonio does not turn the ball over nearly as much. They finished 26th in the country in turnover margins and they had 19 takeaways. So is Brandon Peters going to play? Probably not. Chase Brown seems like he's going to be healthy again, so their running backs room should look a, lot, a little bit different this week. But they're not going to get those, you know, free possessions like they did last week and they might lose the ball, you know, with Arthur Sitkowski at quarterback. Is he going to be able to you know, be as efficient as he was last week against Nebraska? I just don't think they are. Um, This is a team, Texas-San Antonio, last year, like I said, they're returning just about everybody. They only lost by seven on the road to Zach Wilson and BYU. So they can hang with some tough teams. And I don't think Illinois is nearly as good as Zach Wilson and BYU were as last year. So, yeah, I think sincere McCormick and company – comes into Illinois, and I think they do win this game right around like by 28-24 type score. So, yeah, I'm taking Texas-San Antonio and the points pretty easily here.
0: I like it. So, you know, we look at last week, Illinois got the win. Um, So, they're six-point favorites after beating Nebraska. I'm curious to know what the spread would have been had they not won that game. So, even with the win against Nebraska, they're only six-point favorites um, to this roadrunner team. Um, and I think two things stand out Nebraska isn't very good you know we talked about how they're probably not going to cover the 42 and a half points um, you know to afford them um, and then Illinois I think you know everyone sees that hot start Brett Beeam is back in town he's re-energized them everybody wants to bet Illinois here but like you said they the, you know Brandon Peters likely out they're not saying for how long but Um, He fell on his shoulder. I'm going to put my physical therapy hat on for a second. It looked a lot like Sam Bradford um, getting injured, you know, not only in his days at Oklahoma, but also his pro days, um, landing on his shoulder and having the AC joint sprain. So I think Brandon Peters probably has something going on there similar to that. They're saying all his uh, imaging was negative. Um, I think they're saying it's negative for fractures. So I think he's got some sort of sprain there and likely an AC sprain. Um, so we'll see how long he's out for. They got Arter Sitkowski. He came in. He actually did pretty well. He had, uh, he went 12 15, two touchdowns, a buck 24. Um, but now he's going to be asked to do it all. So, um, he's got first team reps in practice all week. Like you said, the running game is, is going to be pretty good. Um, Epstein did fairly well last week and then they, they get the, the two chases back. Um, But you got the Roadrunners. They return a ton of guys. They basically return everybody. Um, Last year, they were 19th rushing with 215 yards a game. Um, I look at Illinois. So last week, they gave up 160 yards rushing, including 111 to Martinez. I know most of that was in that 75-yard play. But still, they gave up a ton of yards um, to Martinez. And you look at quarterback Frank Harris, he's a dual threat guy. I think he's going to run at will. I think sincere McCormick's going to run at will. I think they're going to keep this game close. I think they're actually going to be winning most of the game, if not win outright. Um, But I think if Illinois does win, it's going to be late on kind of, you know, that last possession, um, get it done, then kind of salt the game away. So I lean with you here, Roadrunners, give me the six points. And that'll lock up the uh, Big Ten week for us. Beautiful.
1: All right. So you want to recap
0: us real quick, Andy? We got all those ten matchups there.
1: All right. I'll do my best. So starting off at Temple and Rutgers, we both had Rutgers minus 14.5. Ohio State at Minnesota, we took Ohio State minus 14. Then Michigan State at Northwestern, I took Northwestern minus three. You got Michigan State plus three. Then we both agreed Fordham at Nebraska, Fordham plus 42 and a half. Then we both agreed Western Michigan at Michigan. We both took Western Michigan in the points, plus 17. Uh, Penn State at Wisconsin, uh, we both took Penn State, plus six. Uh, West Virginia at Maryland, we both got West Virginia minus three. Indiana at Iowa, uh, I took Iowa minus three and a half. You've got Indiana plus three and a half. Oregon at Purdue. Uh, I have Purdue minus seven. You have Oregon State plus seven. Uh, and then we both agreed on you uh, Texas San Antonio plus six at Illinois. And uh, I forgot to mention that your lead pipe lock was Oregon State plus seven, and mine was Ohio State minus fourteen. Lakeside Family Dental lead pipe lock of the week. Let's go! Like that
0: jingle there? That was incredible. <laughs> All right. So we did the big 10. Let's talk about our bonus picks of the week. So what's one matchup we got all weekend in through labor day. There's matchups all weekend long. There's a, there's one, you know, going on Wednesday night tonight right now, but what do you got outside of the big 10? Who do you love?
1: So I'm just going to pick the game of the week and that's Clemson minus three, uh, playing Georgia in a neutral game in Charlotte, um, Two teams that are obviously in contention to be playoff teams this year. Uh, one, Clemson, looks completely different on offense. The other, Georgia, looks completely different on defense. So Clemson obviously loses Trevor Lawrence, ETN, Amari Rogers, Cornell Powell. Uh, so it is the start of the DJ Uyunglele era. And they do get uh, Justin Ross back, who was their prolific wide receiver who missed all of last year with like a weird back fusion injury i'm not sure what it was but uh without etn they're probably gonna roll out a three-headed monster at running back with lynn J dixon kobe pace and freshman will shipley it's kind of a do it all running back and shipley the freshman um the georgia offense on the other hand they do return jt daniels and uh zamir white who they're gonna lean on heavily this game because they they lose some guys on on this offense. So their their wide receiver one, George Pickens, went down in the spring with an ACL tear, and Darnell Washington, their tight end one, went down in fall camp. So he'll miss a few weeks as well. And then also they pulled in uh, their highly touted transfer Eric Gilbert. He is not with the team. I, they are not really saying what's going on there. Um, he was supposed to be a wide receiver slash tight end. You know, he was gonna figure to factor in nicely into this offense so really they've got jermaine burton and a few other guys on offense that they can throw the ball to but uh definitely i feel like clemson has the edge on offense and then like i said this defense they were george's defense was ranked 12th last year but they lost four starters in the first three rounds of the nfl draft so these are some solid solid players including uh, both their cornerbacks and their pass defense wasn't even that great to begin with last year they finished 88th with 250 yards per game and I don't think it's hyperbole to say that this game is essentially a playoff game. Neither one of these teams is going to play anyone else until their conference championship. And Clemson, their conference championship, or they might play like North Carolina. It's not, that's still going to be an easy win for them. So I feel like Clemson, you know, if they lose, they, they're probably out because Georgia, you know, they can lose and still run the SEC and get in the playoff. But if Clemson loses and then Georgia and Alabama sort of cannibalize themselves, uh, Clemson's not going to be able to get in on top of Georgia if Georgia, you know, has this win on them. So I feel like Clemson's coming in this game hungry. They want to win it. Uh, I think they realize that, and I think this is, you know, an all or nothing game for them right off the get-go. They only have to win by a field goal to cover, so I'm taking that, and I think that's a pretty safe bet minus three. I uh, I am going to be betting that myself. I
0: like it. I like it. So we're going to go from the uh, the kings, if you will, of the FBS to the kings of the FCS. So I'm looking at a matchup out west a little bit. South Dakota State, the Jackrabbits, FCS power. They made it to the um, title game last year. They lost a close one to Sam Houston State um, because their quarterback was out, but they still only lost by two points in that one. Um, they're going on the road to Colorado State. Colorado State returns virtually everyone on offense and defense, but that's not necessarily a good thing. Last year, they were 106th in total off- or 113th in total offense, only 323 yards per game. They only scored 22 points per game. That ranked 106 nationally. And then their defense, same thing, wasn't great. Scoring defense, they gave up uh, 35.8 points per game. That uh, ranked 104th nationally. So I look at this Jackrabbit team. So they're coming off the, the close loss in the championship game. They return just about everyone on offense, including their offensive line, their receivers. Um, they got the, 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 the Yankee brothers, Jackson and Jaden. And then uh, their running back duo, Davis and Strong. So I look, they got a lot of weapons but they need to fill that void at quarterback. So they still have some injuries there. They got a transfer from Sanford. His name is Chris Olodukone. Um, Look for him to fill that void. They're very high on him this year. Um, he, had a, he lit up the stat sheet at Sanford. I think he does it again with this potent South Dakota State offense. Um, and when you look at these FCS schools, when they play the FBS programs, they almost think of this more as more important than actually, you know, those playoff games and and getting to the to the final. So look for South Dakota State to wa- to want to win this game, um, and not only win it, but I think they dominate this game. Colorado State is not a good football team. Um, South Dakota State is one of those FCS schools that you know could play in the MAC and probably compete for a MAC championship. So South Dakota State Jackrabbits get it done. They're two and a half point dogs, um, but I think that they win by ten or more. So give me, give me the Jackrabbits.
1: Nice little FCS action. Wasn't expecting that.
0: Right. You gotta, you gotta look at all matchups, Andy. Across play the board. The
1: board. I know. I got you.
0: Okay. So that wraps up week one, folks. Um, so as always, you can follow us on Twitter. Um, I'll kind of. Um, slice and dice each little matchup. Give you the tidbits of info we went over in the podcast. Give you who who we're thinking that's going to win. Um, so I'm at D Star 18.
1: You can follow Andy. I'm at A Star FF. And Perfect. I will, I will also be uh, retweeting this episode. Uh, I don't really do any of the breakdowns that you do, but I will uh, be posting uh, some of some of my favorite picks throughout the week as well. Perfect. And we mentioned it earlier in the show, but
0: um, we're also partnering this year with Full Tilt Dynasty. Give their podcast a listen for all your uh, NFL fantasy football needs. Um, And they're going to have a weekly little promo with us going over our lead pipe lock slash bonus picks of the week. So uh, give them a listen um, weekly on Fridays and Tuesdays. So we look forward to seeing everyone next week. We look forward to seeing all those big bets this weekend, making money. Um, Please gamble responsibly. This is What's the Spread?